And away we go. It is the BCJ podcast presented by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com. You're out and about. We're not having an official watch party this week, uh, just in large part because we know there's going to be a lot of traffic uh, at the Holy Grail Saturday night for the NFL playoffs. But if you're down in that area, you want to catch the, uh, the game on Peacock without having to pay for Peacock, then head to the Holy Grail. Watch the Bearcats take on Baylor at 8 p.m. and uh, have some NFL playoff action there for you as well. Make sure you order a Cincy Light as 50 cents out of every Cincy Light purchase at the Holy Grail is donated directly back to Cincy Rates. All right, let's get this show on the road. Hi, David. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Good. I was wondering if Aaron was gonna gonna join us tonight. <laughs> I'm okay. doing well. Say, uh, how was the treadmill? Did you treadmill again today? I did treadmill again today. Dominate. There you go. Did you win? Dominate. What uh, what what's the, the New Year's resolution, Dave? Or is it you know back in shape for 2024? Uh, I mean, it's stop being a, a fat, lazy piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> How long do you anticipate it lasts? Until I'm not a fat, lazy piece of crap anymore. And then you work your way back to fat, lazy piece of crap, and then you go on a hopefully, diet and work out, and then ho- hopefully, uh, yeah. I mean, it's when you have a, a four-year-old that is uh, pretty active. It's uh, you know. Um, you gotta you gotta start taking much better care of yourself or you're <laughs> pretty soon you're gonna have a, a seven eight year old and you're gonna be uh in no position to be doing you know anything athletic or sporting so yeah i figure it's, it's time love it love it it's all time. right well we we have uh we have quite a bit to get to it was uh it was an interesting day in the college sports world as well, uh always is yeah i mean you know everybody kind of felt like oh you know if harbaugh doesn't leave for the nfl and he still might but if harbaugh doesn't leave then this could be like one of the more tame coaching carousels that i can never remember like yeah. there, there really hadn't been a splash like a couple moves here and there but nothing that really like shook up the sport it was Mainly, mainly for the reason of like, if Harbaugh leaves, which I, I mean, I think the betting money is still on him leaving. Um, but like, I know it's a very, very attractive job, and and there would be a lot of interested candidates. But to me, like, wouldn't you just hire Sharon Moore? Yeah, you know how that is at places. I mean, sometimes Michigan's weird. Like, make no mistake about it the whole Michigan man thing and like you you have to have ties to the university or we're not going to hire you, uh, which narrows down their, their candidate pool significantly. So yeah, that would make the most sense, but. I just look at like what he's done with that offense last two years, what he did with when he was acting head coach or whatever, like how many programs just like take the top guy out and they just don't miss a beat. Right. Like, not even just, like, winning games. Like, 
organizationally, like the Penn State game on the road, you don't – he's like, we don't need to throw the ball in the second half. So we're literally not going to throw the ball in the second half. Like, right. yeah, the best offensive line last year had one of the best, if not again. I mean, they didn't win the Joe Moore Award this year, but like had well, another – Washington, Washington right. did, and look how that went. Had another great offensive line who lost their best player in the Ohio State game and like still was totally fine against Alabama and Washington. So like I feel like Ward Manuel has a pretty like if he leaves, this is pretty seamless transition to to a new guy that has been that understands Michigan and and well, uh the other point being like if he left, I don't think even if they didn't hire more. I don't think it would have been a hire that would like shake up the the college football world. It depends. I mean, there's always a ripple effect, unless yeah, you, but, you know. yeah, but again, it's certainly not okay. going to potentially shake things up the way that right. uh, today <laughs> the, the newest opening might. So that's where I was headed. Uh, was had to to run some errands for the mother-in-law today um and was out and about and uh as i was pulling in the driveway oh hey nick saban retired yeah i was on the treadmill <laughs> that'll keep you bit like all of a sudden it's 30 minutes later right because there's just everything's happening so fast when when news like that breaks but uh definitely a chance for that one much more so than Michigan to to shake things up a little bit. For sure. I mean, Matt Matt brings up Dan Lanning. That's exactly who I would call, and I would basically not allow him to not to say no. I mean, it's the bottom line of where I would look at it. And Oregon has proven by taking someone like Dan, who's been a I mean, I don't know his back, back, back history but i mean he's been an sec guy for a while uh at bama and at georgia and so they and he was very successful at oregon like i feel like they would have no problem like saying because now we're in the big 10 we're not necessarily this outlier west coast program like we don't have to hire someone with west coast recruiting ties like we're a national brand if if landing got the job they could go right back and do a very similar thing of of getting some either, you know, maybe a sitting head coach. You really just don't see that as much anymore. These guys make so much money. They're comfortable, especially in the Big Ten and SEC. It's very hard to to grab a sitting head coach from one of those conferences unless you are an Alabama, you know, type situation. Uh, but they could go in and, you know, potentially do that. That's, that's why I think you don't see the – the big dominoes as much anymore like yeah. back in back in the 90s and, and into the 2000s when you had you know tommy tuberville's coaching at three sec schools hugh freeze is like there was way way more of taking sitting head coaches from other quote-unquote big conferences you just don't see it anymore like guys are just very comfortable they're all getting paid very very well and they're not eager to just jump to the next job because it's not really this like huge gap. Yeah. And, and 
there's also a lot more to it now in terms of like when you go somewhere new, you have to figure out your NIL collective. Yeah. How is your NIL? Like all this other stuff. And how, how is it run? Who is in charge? Like not just do we have NIL, but what is what is the university's relationship to NIL? Yeah. Like that's a layer that that was never even thought of. Yeah. Before. Are they working with us? Are they working on their own? Like it's yeah, big. It used to just be like facilities and money and like recruiting footprint. Right. Now what, what, how much are you gonna pay me per year? What league are we in? What are our resources? Okay, like let's go. Now that there's you know, I'll ask you this as we're at the beginning of this conversation. Everybody now is quick. Anytime an old coach retires, oh, it's because the transfer portal and NIL and they're tired of deal. Like, I don't know, man. I just didn't get like Saban didn't it didn't seem to bother him. Like, did he talk about it? Yeah. Did he give like he, so you know like, fair you know, like yeah. it, didn't, it didn't bother him is because any changes that happened was going to benefit was, all, was always well it was always going to benefit their program like who who benefited more from NIL than probably Alabama Nobody. who benefits more from the tra- like yes Alabama has a lot of guys that leave but they also have a lot of you know if Alabama wants you in the transfer portal they're probably going to get you right so like we lose four stars and five stars that haven't gotten on the field yet. Okay, we'll just go get more fours and four and five stars of guys who have actually produced or guys who were three stars, but now they're actually like legit college football NFL players. Prospects, right? Yeah. I mean, so it's like Bama, Ohio State, Tennessee, Florida, like all these like big school, like all those new things help them more than it's not, it's not hurting them. It's helping well, yeah. everybody, but it's certainly not hurting them. Right. Well, that's what everybody in the beginning, like, oh, my God, this is going to make the rich richer. No, no it's, it's spread the out. Rich the rich are already filthy rich. Right. Like, it's spread out the talent. Like, we had 10, what, the top 10, I don't know if it was 24-7 or rivals or whatever, but, like, the top 10 players were all going to 10 different schools, which is usually not, right. you know, in the past 5, 10 years, it's not the way it's happened. Um but yeah, it's spread out the talent. It's helped the UC. It's helped other programs, but it certainly hasn't hurt Alabama. No, I mean, you know, I, I made a joke with uh, Austin Elmore made a UC joke, which is what he does. So I made an Ohio State joke, which is what I do. And my Ohio State joke was, you know, hey, if uh, if Ryan Day was a good coach, guess what? He would be on all these lists uh, for who's next in line at Alabama. But you're not hearing his name at all. Well, I'm sure the Ohio, State, the Ohio State fans are wanting oh, they would to drive figure out a way to get, get Mike Vrabel. Yeah. They would drive Ryan Day to Tuscaloosa uh, and drop him off and wave his buyout, probably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but somebody said the buyout was was $46 million. And it's like, look, man, that Bama, Bama doesn't matter. Like, that's... Okay, great. $46 million. Like, why, does Ryan, yeah. why does Ryan Day even have a buyout? I never understood some of these guys like at the top of the sport. Like, if they're going to leave, they're going to leave. Like, why does it even matter? So that the school gets money 
for them leaving. That's all it is. Yeah, the buyout goes to Ohio State. Yeah. Hey. Like they're probably not going anywhere. And you're probably the more the more likely thing is you're firing them than they are leaving somewhere to get at that level to get the buyout. He was yeah. rumored to be going to the NFL just two seasons ago. Yeah. Yeah, and now you don't hear his name. Come you, ain't up getting, at all. you ain't getting no buyout from that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in Alabama, it doesn't matter. They're at the top of the sport, right? Like, like there's if they want Dan Lanning, if, whoever they want, they're if they want them, they're going to get them. I, here's a here's a Dave question: If you're Dan Lanning, do you take it? Hell yes. Are you kidding? It's career suicide. Yeah, but that's not how these guys think. I know, but it is. You, you, you. Yeah, there's no way whoever follows Nick Saban will ever. They're going to get fired. Enough. They will never come close to to replicating what he's done. But right. If you, like, I would look at it this way: like, I'm Dan Lanning. I'm what? I don't even know if Dan Lanning's forty. Sure. So I'm looking at it this way. That's the best infrastructure, thanks to Nick Saban, in the country probably. Mm-hmm. They're gonna pay. They're gonna pay me. My my agent is going to get me a roughly ten year, hundred million dollar contract, fully guaranteed. Yeah, thirty seven years old. So I'm gonna get roughly hundred million dollars guaranteed. If I make it five years into that ten, and they fire me, and I get whatever money's left, do you know how many schools are still going to hire me as soon as? I'm done. Maybe. I'm I mean, doesn't it depend on what it looks like? I mean, Dan Lane's a pretty damn good coach. I don't think he's going to just bottom out after what he's done at Oregon and with everything that – I mean, he's been at Georgia. He's seen the model. He's been in Alabama. Like, he is the cutthroat dude that they need to get to go up against Kirby Smart, point blank. Yeah. And, and like, I just – I have a hard time seeing him just walking in there and just going, like, Nine and three, eight and four, eight and four, and then they're like, "Yeah, this just isn't working," and we're firing him after three years. That would that would stun me. And even if it did, he's still got a hundred million bucks, and he he's forty years old, and he could go if he wants to go DC somewhere and make one or two million dollars. If you like, how many? No, by that time, DCs DCs are going to be making right. $8 million, like, $5 million a year. I just look at it like, I mean, how many school, if you got five, like say the average is like, I don't know, 10, let's say 10 power five jobs, six power five jobs open up in three years and he's fired. He would be on every one of those schools, like main list. You're still a good coach. What happened at Alabama? Like, did you, you know, you were really good at Georgia. You were really good at Oregon. Is it something you did? Is it, does it just not work? Like, I just have a hard time. Like, is he going to win six national championships? Probably not. But is he going to get fired? Like go to the independence bowl and get fired in three years? I also don't think that would happen. Man, it, it, he's 37. If he got fired in three years, emotionally, he would be 50. Well, at that place. <laughs> A lot of money would uh, help those emotions. Very true. Very true. It just, it's fascinating to me because it it is. You certainly look at it as like, you don't want to be the guy to follow the guy. But I think. When the guy is, 
literally unquestioned the greatest oh, yeah. ever. I mean, I saw his, uh, someone posted his Alabama record. It's like 201 and 29. Mm -hmm. Outside of his first year, he never lost. He never had single-digit wins. He won at least 10 games every year. The crazy part is he was there, what, 14 years? And it like 29 losses feels like a lot. He lost 29 games. <laughs> it's two, two a year. And the right. first year was... The first year was six. Right. That, but am I wrong? Like, if no. I would have gave you the over-under at, like, 25 and a half, you probably would have taken the under. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like one loss a year. Like, if, if they weren't undefeated. Yeah, I, mean, I, remember, I remember the year with, was it, like, Greg McElroy and Julio Jones? I know that. I remember they beat the crap out of Michigan State in the Citrus Bowl. And that was like their worst year, pretty much their worst year ever. Right. I mean, they were pretty much in whether it was the final four or the, you know, the BCS or the final four, like almost every year. Uh, Top G says sucks. Freeman and fickle found a job because they would be looked at. I don't, I don't believe so. I don't think so. I think this is a, Dan, Dan Lanning, Davos, Sweeney, Lane Kiffin, three, three people. What about this, the kind of surprise NFL name that I heard? Well, who's the surprise NFL name? D'Amico Ryans. He's an Alabama grad. Yes. Um, I mean, he seems to be pretty, pretty good coach considering what he's done with the Texans. And is this year two? Year year one or year two? I don't even. Yeah, I, NFL coaches NFL coaches that I don't really follow. Like how long they've been <laughs> been somewhere? Totally, like I don't pay any attention. So it's either year one or year two. I mean, right? Um, that would certainly be an interesting one. Uh, I think that would generate a lot of player. You know, I think the players would like him a lot. Um, but. How here's the thing though, once you get into the NFL, you got like guys really don't go back to college if they don't have to. Like, the but it's Alabama, it is. But the reason I'm saying that is like you get in the NFL when your season's over, you're on vacation until May. I mean, you're doing free agent stuff and draft stuff, but like you're not recruiting you're not coaching you don't have spring practice i mean like the, the lifestyle is so different that i just it's hard for me anymore to see nfl coaches being like yep i want to go back to like begging 18 year olds to come play for me and driving all around the state of alabama and louisiana recruiting kids um when i can just have my gm draft the best of the, you know, the best of the best. And and then I get to go coach him. Yeah. I, Mike Vrabel's interesting. Like I, I know I, JK, JK. I, if I'm Bama, I'm calling Mike Vrabel. I, well, I heard, who was it? Um, oh, it was Taylor Lewan was on with Rich Eisen when Vrabel got fired. Yeah. I heard a little bit of that. And I think it was that, or I don't, it was either him or AJ Hawk with Pat said he has no interest in coaching college. 
Like I, what I had always heard was Luke had really no interest in coaching in the NFL because he doesn't want to like he likes the developmental recruiting, right. find them, you know, you know, mentor and mature young men. And Vrabel has had no desire to work with kids. And go out and have to recruit and do all that song right. and dance. Right. Well, and he yeah. just didn't want to coach 19-year-olds. Right. More than anything. Like, yeah, that was all, sure, that's part of it. But, like, for a lot of these guys, you either you either want to deal with 19-year-olds or you don't. Oh, yeah. And that's why I say, like, yeah, you can coach in college and move your way up to the NFL – but I just I find it hard that a sitting NFL head coach, one of thirty-two positions, even though it's Alabama, would choose to go back to that lifestyle. I mean, you probably make a lot more money, but you're you're certainly having to earn it. And if I'm yeah. if I'm D'Amico Ryan's and I just dra- and I just drafted CJ Stroud and we just made the playoffs, why am I going to go follow Nick Saban? Right. Like, I've got a good gig. I've got the guy at quarterback that I think can be our quarterback for 15 years. Like, we're t- we're thinking Super Bowl. We're thinking, like, why can't we be the Bengals? I'm not thinking about going backward. Not that it's backwards, but going back and working the portal and evaluating 15-year-olds to see who my next quarterback is going to be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the D'Amico Ryan's thing would be because he he's, you know, an Alabama alum and, it, you know, all the the sentimental reasons or whatever, like the connections. Um, I'm not saying Vrabel would take it. I'm saying if I'm Alabama, I'm giving Mike Vrabel a call. I'm going to make him tell me no. Yeah, I mean, there's... If I if I get past a few other people, maybe he's would, he's not going to be near the top of my list. Would you call Pete Carroll? No, he's seventy two. I just had a seventy two year old retire. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't want him to retire. Alabama wasn't longing for Nick Saban to move on. I mean, Pete Carroll's been out of college for so long. What, what he would have no idea what he's any of this. So is. good at it, though. He was so good at it. Eh, I'm just, you know, just throwing some stuff against the wall on an on an yeah. interesting day. I, I mean, logic says they aim directly for Dan Lanning and fire that shot, and I'd be shocked if it didn't hit. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you see Lane's tweet? Or it wasn't Lane's tweet. It was Ole Miss's tweet. No. Like nine minutes after uh, – all the announcement came out. They tweeted out like, here, let me see what it was because it's hilarious. They tweeted trans- hashtag transfer to the SIP with like a graphic <laughs> graphic of like a transfer portal that says come to the SIP. Like uh, not wasting any time stirring those waters. James Franklin would be a good one for what? To get fired and I mean he's one he year. You can't win at Penn State enough. I mean, you're that that might be the worst hire that I saw on the list. We already know at an elite program, James Franklin can't win against Ohio State, and Michigan. He's what he one, in, one in thirteen, I think. Yeah, 
in his career against those And it was Michigan teams. when Michigan was not Michigan yet. Yeah. Come on, James Franklin. Come on. Come on, Top G. Um, Brian Kelly. Now that would be funny. <laughs> oh, Brian Kelly is spending – they're spending a lot of money on defensive assistance. I can't imagine what they had to pay Bo Davis to get him to leave Texas because he had already told him no. And right. they went back to him to coach the defensive line. And now, and he was an LSU, he's an LSU grad and had already told him no. And then they went back again. So who knows what they're paying him? They were like, look, son, <laughs> you're, com- you're coming to Alabama. You're coming to LSU. You're coming home. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Get your ass in the car and let's go. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I just think, I think it's interesting. That that you know we're. It's interesting because we like we the collective you know like have talked about him retiring for a long time. Like what sure. happens? What happens when he retires? Like who is legitimately one gonna like be a true candidate? Two, who is gonna you know want that challenge? But then he just kept going and going, and then you figured this year like they didn't you know the thought process was always like one of these times when he wins the title, then he'll call it a career. So when they make the playoff, but don't win the title, the conventional wisdom was obviously, well, he's not going to go out like that. Um, I I feels like miss Terry, just like she told him to leave the dolphins probably told him it was time to retire. Coach prime coach prime paid for by Affleck. Yeah. The Af- the Aflac head coach, the Alabama Aflac head coach position. Jesus, um, it's it, yeah, like the 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 timing of it though is so interesting because, I mean, here's the thing though, here's the other thing about taking that job right now, Dave. The portal is closed. Yeah, you can't add anybody. I mean. You can pick over what's left, like what hasn't committed somewhere, but you know they can't. They can't come now. Sure, they can. They well, can't I mean, visit. If school has started, they can't. Well, they could transfer and then have to. Yeah, I mean, they could say they're coming, but they're still waiting until the summer or whatever. Right. Um, I mean, they already lost one. Five star commit, right? Who, who didn't sign uh, in the twenty twenty four class? You know, anybody, any anyone that even did sign out of high school, the school, you know, if they have not enrolled in classes, the school, yeah, you know, would have to release them. But it's bad business not to if they wanted to reopen their recruitment. Anybody currently on the roster has thirty, you know, this thirty day window. Yeah. Is open open now. Whenever there's a coaching change, if it's outside of the portal window, so like they've already lost 17 guys to the portal. So that I mean, just like I said with the old mystery, like the vultures are circling. Um, you know, I mean that's the thing though. Is like you would hope that you would have someone in charge there that can be like, guys. Obviously, we're you know you're upset. You know that Coach Saban is leaving, but like. We're going to get an excellent coach, so give you know give right. give us a chance to 
to do the work and get the coach in. Like, don't don't bail yet. Like, we're still Alabama. You know, we we will we will attract a who's who of coaches, and we will we will get you know a, an excellent coach. So that would be the hope. That would be my pitch if I'm you know the AD or whoever. Yeah, I but you're gonna be dealing with a lot. Sure. Like the, there, there's gonna be a boatload of turnover. You're well, because, you're fighting from behind. Yeah, because there's no guarantee. You know, Nick Saban's one thing, but like we know the assistant coaches are the ones that do the bulk of the recruiting. Those guys have no guarantee that they're gonna be kept on by whoever right. uh com- comes on next. So yeah, I mean it's it's just like any other coaching change. It's just happening uh, the second week of January instead of the second week of December. Boy, there's going to be a bunch of there's going to be a bunch of dudes with their eye on Alabama in the spring portal window. Oh heck yeah! <laughs> how go bad play do you Alabama? Need, how, Let's how go. Bad do, you need, do you need me? <laughs> right. What what what's in that pocketbook, sir? What is in that pocketbook, sir? Uh, sucks for Tommy Reese. Yeah, poor Tommy Reese. The guy has fallen up his entire career. <laughs> no, Tommy yeah. Reese. Not even what maybe thirty, and he's been OC at Notre Dame and Alabama. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel bad for Tommy Reese, Matt. I think Tommy Reese will be okay. <laughs> There are people in these type of situations that you can feel bad for. Uh, I'm not. I'm not rolling with Tommy Reese as one of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because there are going to be a boatload of challenges uh, for whoever takes that job, no matter how uh, great Alabama is. Uh, yeah. If it's landing, who would Oregon turn to? No, no, no idea right now. I haven't really thought much about that. I mean, yeah. they're, they're just like I said, they're they could. I mean, they've gone. You know, oh, they went away from the whole like has to be a West Coast ties type guy when they hired Lanning. So they could very easily do that again. And you could be looking at like who were some of the best coordinators in the SEC and Big Ten. Um, I mean, they, so who, I mean, who knows? I think them going to the Big Ten changes a lot of things. Um, the Arizona so, coach, yeah, he was more like thought of as being a because he's Cal, I guess, a California guy. So, like, if UCLA opened, that was the name I heard a lot yeah. about that they would try to get. Um, but I, I, I mean. Yeah, I just, I just don't know. That's, um, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure yet on that. If that were to happen, Todd does make a good point. Fired coaches everywhere are sad. Coaching rehab is now closed. Yeah, they should just get like the whole, the Butch, Charlie Strong, uh, all those guys together, and they can just all be like uh, one, one head coach together. They'll they'll be their all they'll all be their own uh on off field analyst. Yeah. All right. Well, do you uh do you have anything more on uh the big no. news of the day? 
No. No. Okay. Well, then I guess that brings us to our first timestamp of the day, and that is Turtles Brew. 6% ABV, zero sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free, bourbon-infused sweet tea. They've got uh, lemonade, tea, cherry lime, raspberry peach, orange vanilla, strawberry mint. There are now over 100 locations in Ohio. Visit turtlesbrew.com for more information and locations. Cincinnati, Toledo, Central Ohio, pretty much uh, growing throughout the state. And a portion of the proceeds, as always, go to Save the Sea Turtles. And uh, that brings us to Dave. Our Big 12 basketball segment. We're going to talk a lot of Bearcats today, obviously. That is brought to you by Team Ticker. You can see it right there. I've got the Sea Paul. Aaron's got the Bearcat. It's a one-of-a-kind sports sign for Bearcat fans. It's a high-tech retro display that provides quality daily updates of the latest news, stats, schedules, and much more. No subscription required. If you're looking for the perfect addition to your man cave, your dorm room, a gift for that special Bearcats fan, an awesome birthday present, go to teamticker.com, enter code BCJ at checkout, and get 50% or 15%. No, $50. What am I doing? Goodness. $50. There we I go. wish I wish someone would keep track of this ad read for the existence of it and have charted how many times we've gotten the the actual promo right versus wrong. Well, because I I know when I did it the one time I said twenty five percent it was twenty five dollars. Yeah, <laughs> you know what it's kind of like, Dave. You know, how, like when your grandma starts calling you like all the other grandkids. Yeah. That that's what I feel like with like the yeah. the what the discount. They call is you like your dad, your dad's name first, then your brother's right. name, then they get <laughs> then they get to you. Well, they throw they maybe throw a cousin in there. Yeah. Um, and then finally you're like fourth or fifth on the list. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what uh, where I'm at on ad reads when I'm uh, figuring out the discount in my head. <laughs> if I was smart, Dave, it's right there. It's yeah. at the bottom of the screen. I don't have to read it from memory. I can read it from the ad that's running at the bottom of the screen. That is something you could do. But you choose not to. They also have Penn State, Michigan State, and brand new now West Virginia. You could get one for your brother. Maybe, maybe he would hang it up in his house. Doubtful. Um, let's get to basketball. I, I don't know that there's a whole lot. I mean, we, we, they had George in the jungle last night. We did a live nightcap last night. We we can talk about some of it and, and get your take. Uh, more overall, I want to talk about two games in to the big 12 schedule. And if where we were at a week ago has maybe changed after seeing a couple big 12 games, but your takeaways from last night is the Bearcats fall. 73-72 to Texas at Fifth Third Arena. Well, as I've aged, uh, I've become someone that almost instantly when games are over, if my team loses, I pretty much compartmentalize it and, and move on. Like, I'm not involved in the team. I don't play. I don't coach. I'm like... I don't have this like oh I wasn't I wasn't good till Wednesday because I couldn't stop thinking about you know yeah. that is not 
me. I, I mean, it used to be like that, 20s, maybe even into 30s, but like anymore, like Bengals lose. I'm just like, eh, they lost, whatever. Well, next week, what, yeah. Bearcats lose typically the same way. Last night, for some reason, after that game was over, like I was, I was pretty frustrated for like five to ten minutes, which maybe twenty, which is which is long for which is a long time for me. Um, and I think it's partly because of being back in a conference like the Big Twelve. I'm old enough to know what being good in that conference type of conference means. And so when you, and I will just flat out say it, like Texas played well. I'm sure they, you know, I didn't watch how they played as much as I watched how UC played because I don't know what their, what their good is supposed to be. Like, I don't know what each guy is there to do and, and like what a good game from that guy looks like versus a bad game. But like we kicked that game away. Like it had no business being a whatever point game down the stretch. And that's you know when you could have been two and oh in this conference, and we talked about going into the season, like can you get to eight, nine conference wins? Because that's probably gonna be good enough to go to the tournament. And you're two and you were two and oh. With, I mean, Texas is not a top 25 team by any metrics. They are by the AP. Um, but it's, it still would have been a good win, you know? So thinking of the frustration lies in the what a win there meant just in the grand scheme of the entire yeah. season and what our goals are now moving forward, comparatively speaking, to what wins and losses meant in the AAC. Um, sure. I just, like, the turnovers are a really, really big problem to me that have to, have to get fixed because we have now played two teams that are not trying to force turnovers. Yeah. And we have turned the ball over 19 times against BYU – 15 times last night. So in two Big 12 games, we're averaging 17 turnovers. And we've given up 41 points off those turnovers. So we're averaging giving up 20 points a game in these games. Obviously, two, small sample size. But, like, you shoot 47% from the field, a decent percentage from three, you, sh- you should win that game. Like, you turn the ball over, you missed – I mean, I could think of three that Dede Thomas alone, but you missed how many shots at the rim? 17, I think. Or they were and, three and, four, and the, 17, I think it was. So the, they, very, they the very concerning part about last night's game, that I'm not sure it translates any other game, but, like, Texas was already down a starting big. Their reserve, you know, their reserve. Texas got big, better with Caden Shedrick not in the game, though. Their reserve, but I'm saying like their reserve big was in his first game back, and uh, Dylan DeSue was in his first game starting. Yeah, we should have dominated inside and on the glass, and they didn't do that. I mean, they finished plus eight on the glass, but I mean, like, but all those misses around the rim, we should have been cleaning up more offensive rebounds and and sticking those back. Um. But just 
it's just, it's just frustrating because like we're just like we get in these spurts where we are literally just out of control and handing the ball to the other team. The, I, I didn't the the turnovers weren't as bad against BYU because a lot of them they just threw the ball out of bounds. Like yeah, dead ball. You get your defense set. Like those aren't killer. Texas feasted on converting those turnovers into points. And that was a huge, huge problem without question. Um, the free throw shooting, part of it was just you you didn't have the right guys shooting free yeah, throws. Yeah, your, your bigs took a lot of your free throws. Um, but, I mean, I, I know I, I try not to take too much from, like, post-game stuff, but – sure. Kind of, you know, Wes saying that the the free throw thing like that was kind of silly or whatever. Like it all plays into it. I mean, you lose by that's one. That's not point. what he was. It, it's that's not what he he was trying to defend John Newman. That's well, all I, that. Was. I'm not. I'm not accusing John of any like. But you can't. I mean, you lose by one point. You have nine, well, 18 turnovers, miss a bunch of layups, and then also go fifty, basically fifty percent sure. on the line. But I'm telling you, that's all that was. It wasn't. I don't care that we were poor at the free throw line. It was. He immediately went into John. Like that was, I'm not letting this turn into we lost because John Newman missed the front end of a one. It's not because John That's, did. It's because you missed seven out of fifteen. Yeah, and you missed <laughs> and a bunch of layups. That was his a bunch point. Of layups and turned the ball like. That's his why point was there's a bunch of other stuff that we did that we didn't do well long before John Newman missed the front end of a yes. one. If you played really good and t- and Texas also played really good. And Max Amos just makes a shot and you lose. You know what? Whatever. That's going to happen when you play good teams. But I don't think they played really good. You know, you can't say you played. You can't miss that many layups. They played well. They didn't. You can't miss that many layups. You can't turn the ball over that much against a team that is not trapping you, not pressing you. And you, like, defensively, you know, I know you and Chris talked about it. Like, you can't continually not not get out on Dylan DeSue. Yeah, I mean, they did later. Like, they uh, when they finally – Reynolds was the guy, shockingly. Like, you, did, you don't think he would be the answer defensively in guarding a guy 22 feet from the rim. Right. But he was the guy that did a better job being in the right place and not getting too deep on the, the drop coverage on ice ball screens. Uh, if I you think I'm uh, speaking gibberish right now, uh, when this show's <laughs> over, go back and watch the the piece with Chris Laporte today because he did a really good job of like understanding, uh, helping you understand what Cincinnati's trying to accomplish, why they weren't good, uh, why they weren't in position to better defend yeah. Dylan Disu. He makes one, okay. He makes two. You're not expecting him to. I mean, he took 10 threes. I mean, I wasn't expecting that. But after you but make he, two. He's a guy that can shoot. Like, it, that, that's always can. been a part of his repertoire. Oh, for sure. But, I mean, I just wasn't, you know, after a couple, you're like, okay, what we're doing is not working. And maybe they had that adjustment. And the guys just, I mean, that's the thing. It's like the guys just clearly didn't do it. I just felt like. When whoever had the ball went away from the double, to, you know, typically towards the baseline or or backwards, the big just stuck with them 
way too much versus just letting him continually go to the baseline. Like Matt, if, if, and more times than not, it was probably Max Amos, who is my height or smaller. So it's like, yeah, make him go to the baseline. We've got guys down there to, to defend that. Well, yeah, like Chris showed, like there's a point you have to stay with it. But as soon as Day Day or Jizzle or Dan had one, John had one, like as soon as they control the ball handler, you have got to recover. It's like hedging, right? If you hedge a ball, yeah. like as soon as you control the ball handler, you got to recover uh, and, and get back to, to your man. Well, like, didn't do a, a quick enough job recovering. And, yeah, they, they they got their hands up and they they contested, but it's late. And, he's, and when it he got this, he's stepping into to a rhythm a rhythm jumper. Yeah, point. late contest. I don't care if you're seven foot four, and he's hot. They're, they're going to make he, it. So he feels confident. Um, what do you think about this? I felt like maybe not as much. Still, some in this game, but also against BYU. I feel like they're ball watching a lot. Like I felt like against BYU when when Trevin Neal was in the corner, we got guys one pass away, but they're like too close, like watching the ball too close to the ball where it's like they just had one pass to the corner and he's firing with like nobody even really around. Like he's not going to beat you back door. He wants to shoot threes. So why are we not, kind of in full denial one pass away versus kind of ball watching or like sagging a little bit you know I, well but a lot of those were connector passes they weren't just guy has the ball kicks it to Tevin Neal and he's wide open and hits three like it's moved two or three times your defense is moving that's what BYU when BYU is good on offense that's why yeah is because the ball is popping and you're having to to recover to each spot um, did like, I think they played? No, I mean, but like, if the guy's made six already, I'm pretty much not helping. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm giving him no airspace, regardless of where the ball is. Like, he still okay, have to be in help position. Okay, other white guys on the floor drive to the basket and go up against Vic and Aziz, and I'm going to stay over here and make sure this guy doesn't go for forty. I, but it didn't. Like nobody else got anything for them no no but i i don't i mean i just feel like there's still some i mean again it's be, probably because of lineups and everything and and cj's been out for a little bit so this group has had a chance to to play together but they just kind of go i think they go through spurts where they're just you know it was much better in the second half against byu i thought for the most part it was okay to, to pretty good at times against texas um, but you're gonna, you know, you're playing higher level teams every night, so your deficiencies and your weaknesses are going to get exposed. Well, I, I think that's part of what you have to learn, and they are going to have to learn in the Big 12. You don't get a three minute window where you can like catch your breath, like, like the, the, the other team's going to spank you, you know, but bend you over their knee and they're going to spank you if. And we have seen it a couple times, like, you know, against Texas last night, they go on that 11-0 run, they take the lead, all of a sudden they breathe a little bit, and boom, Texas is right in front. Like, 
in this league, that's not how it works. Like you can't have an 11-0 run and then give up a 7-0 run immediately on the other side of it. Yeah. You have got to continue with that intensity. And I think that's deep. I think defensively is what you're getting at. There, there have just been spurts. And let's make no mistake. The defense right now is miles ahead of where it was two weeks ago. I agree. But there, there are still, like you're talking about, those little windows where it feels like they, they aren't as crisp. And when you do that in the Big 12, you're going to get punished. Like, well, I mean, what did what did Wes talk about after the BYU game? I don't know if it was if it was the second half specifically, like, or the whole game. Eight of the what kill possessions where they don't score for like three possessions in a row. That was second half, yeah. I feel like that is an anomaly. Like, how many times in the Big Twelve with these teams are you really going to stop teams from scoring three possessions in a row? It'll happen a couple times, but they're going to be. Right, spread out, and they're not going to be eight. I yeah. mean, I feel like that feels like it's probably going to be the high mark for the season, yeah, potentially. So, yeah, you know, three possessions that's a couple minutes. You're just not going to have these <clears throat> back and forth lulls where both teams are kind of struggling at the same time. So, I mean, I'm, I'm still what what is going on in Orlando. Do you care to tell uh, me what the what the heck that's that nonsense is? For some reason, there it's were a lot impo- of metrics today. It's just impossible said, to win a road game in the Big 12 other than last night. There were a bunch of metrics today that didn't make any sense. I think BPI had that as a two-point Kansas win, two and a half point Kansas win. Kansas at UCF happening right now. Uh <laughs> is UCF still winning? I know they were winning at the under eight. I've got them up four. With uh, 5.09 to go. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, from the taken from the first two games, I mean, I think the Bearcats are can play with on any given night all these teams. Yeah, here's, I mean, to ex- expand on that, I think BYU is going to end up being a middle tier team in this league. They're gonna I get think some, Texas. They'll get, some get some good, they'll get some good home wins. Yeah. Like I think I think Texas is with Disu healthy, probably in that upper middle part. Yeah, like four, five, it, six, somewhere. Yeah, somewhere in there. Cincinnati looked every bit as good. As definitely looked better than BYU. Played better yeah, than I mean, BYU. Played equal with Texas with the guy having a complete career game. Um, so when I'm looking at, at, you know, where we were a week ago, I feel a lot better after watching their first two Big 12 games. Does that mean they're going to win, a, a you know, 11 Big 12, 12 Big 12 games? No. No, because, I mean, but, Houston, Houston went into Hilton last night and got rocked from the jump. Yeah. Came back and obviously made it very close at the end, but, I mean, they were down 14 nothing. Yeah. UCF was up seven nothing on Kansas, and they're up 57-53 at the under five. So there's going to be a lot of chaos that happens in this league, and there's going to be some really good games. 
you're going to have to figure out how to win. Because well, I think, I think, you know, Baylor, I still think Baylor's the best team in the conference. I don't. Um, no, no, you don't. Their defense isn't good enough. Yeah. I'm just thinking ahead. Like, that'll be a tough game. Their guards are a problem. Uh, they're shooting as a team 44.9% from three. <laughs> as a team. Yeah. I mean, you, have a top, you have a top five pick in Jacoby Walton. You've got Ray J. Davis that transferred in. And then you got another another guard whose name escapes me at the moment. Like, three guards like that. Um, but, like, the next two games at home, TCU and Oklahoma, you got to get those. No questions asked. You got to get those. TCU is very good, and Oklahoma is very good. I'll be interested to see how they play against because TCU does try to turn you over. Yes, they forced eighteen turnovers, I think, at Kansas. So, I'm a like I've always loved Jamie Dixon. I think the guy can really, really coach. Like, watched him for as as long as he look, look at what Pitt has been without him. The Kevin Stallings era wasn't that bad. <laughs> they ran Jamie Dixon out of town for to Kevin hire him. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's a thing that happened. That would be like yeah. Alabama hiring James Franklin. Uh <laughs> Texas Tech. Texas Tech looks good. Um, I just I just look at it as like if we want to go to the tournament, you gotta get those. The, the Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah, yeah. You got to start adding game. stacking wins. You got you to gotta win some home. You got to win the home games. Against the teams that you feel like you're on a, you know, even playing Equal field. Playing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing that, that does hurt about Texas is you stole one. You stole a road game and then you gave it back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, what, are we, what are we talking about tonight if we're talking about the Bearcats at 2-0? and in the Big 12. One seed. <laughs> 18 and 0. 29 and 2. One seed. Um. <laughs> the, the positive thing for me, Davis, is, is I think all of the things that you are concerned about are correctable. Absolutely. I don't think they are... Uh, you know, like last year, we talked about this is a team that doesn't have guys that can get to the rim off the bounce. That wasn't going to be fixed. It, it wasn't going to be all of a sudden, David DeJulius is like a downhill attacking uh, right. get to the rim guard. Like that, that, This is a team that has taken care of the ball leading into Big 12 play. And it is... It is a team that has, in the past two games, made correctable turnovers, stupid turnovers, turnovers that don't fit. Well, what, what last West is? Huh? What, BYU, we threw one just flat out of bounds. Why is like why is Day Day passing it over to like you're the point guard, bring the ball up the floor, throws it out of bounds against BYU, and then last night I forget who it was, they inbound the ball to him. Or get a rebound and pass it to him, whoever it was, and it goes off their fingertips. Like those are just like, yeah, so an anomaly turnovers. But in these games, like you can't have those. Like they lost by one. You're gonna have turnovers. I get it, but like you can't have the ones where it's just like, oh, we just threw it into the fourth row for some reason. 
Like they lost by one. How many, they, how many shitty literally... lob? How many shitty lob passes did they throw last night? That got just that you're yeah. just like, why are you throwing that? The guy's not even like having to necessarily extend, like, and be superhuman to get it. In the half court, Dave, the lob has to go. Unless you just, unless it's Seamoss playing off pick and roll with Aziz, and Aziz is rolling wide open to the rim, it does. It's not going to work in this league. There's too much length. There's too much size. There's too much athleticism. Yeah, because if you if you can't just instantly dunk it, if you have to come down and gather, you're double teamed by a six nine guy and a six eleven guy. Right. Yeah. And if you catch it. There's a pretty good chance somebody is going to have reacted to the ball going up and they're going to be there, like at the rim waiting for you. Like it's just not in the half court. Like I don't mind it if you're if you're in transition and you're two on one, you got a guy screaming down the floor on your left hand side, throw it, let him dunk it. But in half court basketball in this league. It's it's too low percentage for me. Play off of two hands, play off of two feet, make sound, steady passes. Giving up possessions is going to burn you more often than not. Yep. I mean, you know, I think we've we've summed it up fairly well. Like, you know, there's the you know, the the unforced errors and the you know you're gonna you know I don't really get bothered much by shoot like shooting because if you know if you're a good shooting team you're a good shooting team and that'll balance itself as a team that'll balance itself out by the end of the year and if you're a bad shooting team you're just a bad shooting team um but like the turnovers and, and stuff and and the defensive lapses, like, again, you're playing really good players. You're not going to be perfect. You're not going to pitch a shutout defensively. But you need to also be able to, like, learn from your mistakes and be able to implement that instantly in the same game and not have to go back and watch tape and say, this is how we're going to do that the next time. Because the next time, if you'd have just done it last night, maybe he goes three for ten instead of four for ten from three. Or doesn't even take those shots and they turn into something, you know, someone else misses a shot. Because, I mean, it really was him, Max Agnes, and, and Mitchell on some fast breaks. Like, they got nothing else in the half court out right. of, except for DeSue and Agnes. Agnes. Agnes? There's a B in there, isn't there? Apparently it's German <laughs> and it's pronounced A-C-C-M-A-S. Apparently it's, Okay. No, he's from Germany. Oh, all right. I, I I heard it actually. I was watching their Big East open or their Big Twelve opener uh, against Texas Tech, and the the announcer said it's it's Asmus. The apparently in Germany that spelling triggers a CC pronunciation instead of a B. And sure. I was like, damn, I thought our language was stupid. Uh, but who the hell pronounces? A B M A S Acemas, but apparently the Germans do, and that's well, how he right. pronounced it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, would you like to chime in on on what everybody's angry about? 
What is everybody angry about? Starting Jizzle James over Day Day Thomas. I don't care who starts. <laughs> Playing Jizzle James more minutes than Day Day Thomas. I mean, I, I have no issue if you want to say Jizzle should get more minutes. He seems to be playing fairly well um, offensively. I think fans should probably dig in more on the defensive side of things, as Wes said the other night. Um, <clears throat> offense comes and goes. Do you, you either play defense or you don't. If in this league, personally, and I'm not saying he can't, but like, if you're a defensive liability, you can't be played. And I'm not saying he's a defensive liability, but I feel like that's probably where Wes is maybe still a little hesitant to play him 20 to 25 minutes versus roughly 15. Um, I think he's in a very nice groove as being a offensive spark off the bench. Um, I just West probably wants to see more consistency on the defensive end. If I had to guess, and I'm not, I haven't watched him particularly close defensively to be like, oh, that basket was because of you know Jizzle was out of place or whatever. Like, but if the coach, I mean, West basically said it. He missed several assignments in the first half of the BYU game. He missed several assignments on Ace Miss in the first half of the Texas game. So I mean. Uh, you know, defenses, coaches, I mean, coaches can say all they want about offense versus defense or whatever, but I think it's pretty, almost pretty universal across the board is if you're screwing up on defense, you ain't playing. Right. Um, That's how coaches think. That's, that is their default setting. So, do I think, you know, do I think last night at the end of the, you know, towards the end of the game, the final final few minutes, three, four minutes, play him a little bit more, maybe try to do some, both teams were not in foul trouble. So, it wasn't like there were a ton of stoppages to try to pull like an offense-defense type thing. Um. You know, I think data is also, it, it makes it more, it makes it more clear to probably some people because I think data is also offensively going through a slump right now. I mean, he missed, what, three at the rim last yeah. night. He wasn't particularly good offense. He had a lot of turnovers against BYU, did not have a lot of turnovers last night. Um, no, one. he just missed a couple layups. He just missed some shots. So, and when J- when Jizzle comes in, they see him, you know, against BYU, obviously go on that 10 0 run on his own, make some shots last night. So, it, the fans. Two tough shots, boy. Oh, both, both pull up 18 or 17 foot baseline jumpers. Like, those take some stones to even attempt that shot. Yeah. The, <clears throat> and I also think just the, and it's not like a knock on anybody, but like fans watch offensive basketball. Yes. I do it. You watch the ball. Like I'm not, yeah. you watch the ball, you watch the guy with the ball, you watch your team when you're paying attention. Not, I'm not going to say more versus less, but like when you're on offense, 
you're dialed in as a fan. When you're on defense, maybe you reach down for your beer or you well, turn, I also, turn, turn to your side to say something to your buddy. Like, I also think I in basketball, it's really difficult to, like, unless you're at practice, to know what the defensive principles of a team are. That's why we started the thing with Lapore to hopefully help people when they're watching like kind of understand at least the baseline of like this is what's trying to be accomplished because I think to the casual fan mm-hmm. even if they have a pretty good understanding of basketball unless you know each team's specific like this is what uh their philosophy is on defending x guy and y guy and z guy like until you know that it's very difficult to uh, like watch and say, oh, I, I definitely know what they're doing here. Like even in football, for the most part, like, okay, they're in a too high shell. They're in man to man. Like some of that stuff is pretty easy. Just watching motion, watching the snap um, to, to like understand that. In basketball, it's a little more nuanced because everything is specific to, you know, Who's on the floor? What the right. time in the game is? What's like, the scout? What what yeah. what is each guy tagged as? Uh, and like you know, Sean Miller runs a different pack line defense than Tony Bennett does. So in theory, it's the pack line defense, but in practice, like there's different principles that each coach focuses on. In football, yeah. generally, if you're running two deep safety you're running two deep safety like they don't okay well we're gonna like this linebacker has a different zone in my scheme that's not really how football defense works right right well because you know i don't know it's it, yeah it's it's just different it's it's fast yeah it's, it's i think it's because of the the ball you know the ball movement the player movement it's so much more free-flowing i think it's harder to necessarily what you know zoom in on like what they're from possession to possession what a team is truly trying to do defensively like you're not blitzing people you're not dropping people like it it all kind of looks the same if and if so if you don't really you know obviously man versus zone does it but like you can play man-to-man defense a whole bunch of different ways right well like chris said there's 20 different ball screen coverages like there's ice there's hedge there's drop there's high hedge there's blitz there you know and that's just the basic ones like off the top of my head there's a million different ways you can defend ball screens a lot of that is your personnel a lot of that is their personnel like what fits best and then you have to execute what your your plan is so yeah, that that's what makes it difficult. But I just think right now, Jizzle is a work in progress defensively. As that becomes less of a problem, I think you will see less more of him on the court. Whether that's uh, yeah, the balls balls got dropped uh, tonight, Dave. I know they were getting crushed in the first half. I mean, they're done thirteen at halftime. They yeah. made it. They at least made it a, a respectable 
<laughs> showing, but um, and I, I guess UCF won. They're up four last time I saw it. Oh. Like seventeen seconds left. Yeah, Cyclone Larry is proclaiming uh, the Iowa State Cyclones the best team in the Big Twelve. Yeah, they won by five. <laughs> they outscored Kansas by thirteen in the second half. Yeah, sixty-five to sixty. Twenty-three second half points. Yep. Yeesh. Didn't watch it, obviously, because we were here, but it sounded like UCF was very physical with Kansas and hit the glass. And uh, that's a good way to knock off Kansas. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I just, I walked away feeling a lot better after the first two games. And, yes, there are things with Texas and the fact that, that they could have played better and won that game and been 2-0, and and it definitely feels like a missed opportunity. But given the way that the final three weeks of the non-conference played out, I also walk away from the first two games feeling like, okay, they're they're right there talent-wise and, and ability with the middle of this league. And if you're if you're solidly in the middle. As long as you can close out games, especially at home, that they didn't do last night. Hopefully they learn from that. But you're going to be in a position to play in the NCAA tournament. And that's where they wanted to be. It's funny because I joked last night. I said, uh, you know, what you don't want to be in is in a position like UCF that got dominated in their first two games in this league. I mean, at one point, Kansas State was beating them... Sixty to twenty-five. Woo! And now UCF sixty-five, Kansas sixty. <laughs> It'll be fun to count up at the end of the year the home road record in the conference. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a lot to a little. I mean, it's like that in a lot of conferences, but I sure. I think it's going to be extremely difficult to grab road wins in this conference. I I'm, See, I might disagree there a little, Dave. Just because all the teams are – or a lot of the teams are very – but that's, I feel like the, being the home team is what, separ- is what separates you yeah. in, the, in that situation. I get you. But I, I'm, what I'm saying, I think a lot of games are going to be decided in the final minute. So in the final minute, like – Go look at the last two shots that Texas made. They both hit like they they hit angles that the ball just should not find a way in the basket. Like the the last one from A. Smith's hit a baseline jumper that hit the 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 far side of the rim and somehow didn't go out the back door. Hit the backboard. No, yeah, hit the back and then came down like. Like they got the fortunate bounce, they got away with the travel, but like whatever, that's neither here nor there. Um, it's here and there, but it's neither here nor there. Um, it happens. I mean, we play, yeah, you're games, playing they're... good teams. Uh, Daisu and and Ace are two of the better players offensively in this league. 
and they both made shots in the final minute that that took them from down three to up one. You know why? Because Cincinnati didn't convert on their one possession at the free throw line, and you know you you end up walking out of there a little stunned. But ultimately, I said this last night. I'll say it again today. Boy, it felt good to be back. Like just being in that arena and feeling important basketball being back. Like even when they played Houston or Memphis or SMU back in the day, like the arena got pumped up and it was a good atmosphere, but it didn't feel like last night. Right. It it didn't feel like, okay, we're back on track. Like, this program is back where it needs to be to maximize its potential instead of feeling like, okay, great. There's Houston tonight, but the next three games are at ECU, Tulsa at home at temple. Mm -hmm. So it just, it, it just, you know, and instead it's like, okay, we got Texas tonight. Then we got Baylor. Well, here, here's the thing, and then too. Then you got like, TCU, and then you got Oklahoma, and then you got Kansas. Living that life, like, yes, I was frustrated last night. But, like, I was frustrated more of because of the missed opportunity for the win. Right, right. And less about the loss. Like, you're not uh, – like, as a, I mean, I'm just looking at it from the fans' perspective. Like, I'm not a fr- – like, you're not going into any game uh, – I shouldn't say any. I mean, West Virginia is not very good. Oklahoma State is not very good. But, like, you're not really going into any game being like, God, we cannot lose this game. Like, it's going to get to a point where if they pile up enough losses, you're going to go, we can't lose this game because we're not going to make the tournament. Sure. But, like, that's because we've piled up a lot of losses. It's not because we can't lose this game because this team is 200 and whatever in the net (laughs) and it basically torpedoes the rest of the season because we have no other opportunities to, to offset it with really good wins. Yeah. That, you know, that was the other thing. It's like, you could get to the middle of February, play Memphis and be like, great. They have Houston, uh, the last game of the regular season. And that's the only game. Well, anymore. I just don't like these in these situations in this conference. Above all others, but you know, I just don't think losses matter unless you just have a bunch of them. Like, right? They're gonna they're gonna look at who did you beat because everybody's gonna lose. Shit, Kansas lost tonight. Tennessee lost tonight. Purdue lost the other night to Nebraska. Like, you are going to lose, but who did you beat? Yeah. Like, did were you able to get like that's you know some people have mentioned this like the way you see schedule sets up, um, Virginia twice, Oklahoma State, UCF, like there's five games that if you win them, you're supposed to win. Although I'm guessing UCS metrics take a uh, a nice spike tonight, even though. I think they were only like Kansas is only like a seven point favorite, seven and a half point favorite. So winning by five, yeah, that's going to help your your metrics quite a bit. But it's not going to be some sizable like you know no. 
20-point gap, 25-point gap between what the predictive metric said and, and what the actual result said. I think you'd have asked any of us, we just said Kansas is going to win that game by 20? 13, <laughs> 14, right? Like, so, yeah, um, it's a monster. It's a monster. But it felt good to be back in the land of the monsters. Yep, just gotta... and, it, and it felt better knowing they're not overmatched. Like that that's my my biggest thing, Dave. Like th they did not look when we talked about the football team and and when they ran into those big 12 teams, it looked different. They looked physically smaller. They looked yeah. slower. I mean, that, you're not seeing that with this basketball team. There's, I'm sure there will be road games where the home team has it cooking and we don't play well sure. and it gets ugly. But for the most part, like the thing I kind of took away from it was, especially in contrast to last year, was they really do seem to have multiple ways they can get a basket. Whether last night it was Seamus getting hot and kind of doing a one-two thing with Vic. And whether it, whether it was Jizzle against... BYU for a time being. I mean, John Newman's picked up some some offensive slack here and there. Like they 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 can you know last night they can get in. They got into a game where the other team had a guy that was hot and another guy that could really feed off of him, and they they went back and forth. And last year they couldn't. There's no way they could have done that. And left Landers, Nolly, and Dave just got. Out of but their they, minds, but they weren't going to do that against this level of team night right. in and night out, and we and they right. still might not. I mean, we're still again two games, small sample size. But I mean, Seamus having, I mean, hopefully, he builds off of this game because I kind of feel like he is the difference maker in the way that he can shoot, but also get to the rim. His mid range game, his free like his free, he is the he to me he is like the difference maker. In yeah. in the way the way that this team goes, um, him I'll, I'll st I mean I'll just say, keep saying it because of the tantalizing athletic ability of it is like is Dan, like he get he just gets in these spurts when he's kind of out of control and if he can rein that in a little bit like he also makes made a play last night that I have no idea how he how he made like that very few he other people falling down. Very few other bounds. people in college basketball can can even make. So it's like Ian and I joke, Dave. He looked like a defensive end that was like, oh yeah, like trying to bend the corner. The yeah, he's bending the corner to to yeah. get on. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a matter of reining him in a little bit, but keeping him aggressive. And you know, Seamus building off of of last night and. Yeah, I think you know if, if as long as Aziz is you know he only played 15 minutes, didn't score. As long as his back is not a recurring issue, um, I think teams are targeting it. Oh, for sure. Why wouldn't you? Texas hit him a couple times, pretty you know, pretty good. Well, they two hands shoved him in the back the one time. Yeah, in the first half, <laughs> like. When a when a seven foot one alien just goes flying out of the screen, something happened. Um, so, yeah, that's that is Dan. Dan has an amazing first step, but once he takes that first step, he can't stop. He's like a like a drag car. 
right? Like once the green light hits and they go, there is no break. There, there's no, oh, wait, I think I need to slow down. It's just, and then they're at the finish line. Uh, now that game here against UCF looks to be a decent one, uh, which will help even more. Um, look, I mean, UCF was still a top 80. To, like, they they weren't they, – in the old American, they would have been, like, number three. Like, usually there was a team all the way at the top, a team, like, in the 20s and 30s, and then the next team was, like, 84. And that's where they're at. So they would have been, like, the third or fourth best team in the league that we used to be in. So, yeah, those games are going to be tough. Guess what, Top G? Cincinnati's lost a bunch of times at UCF or had UCF come to use, come here and clip them. Like, not a bunch of times, but more than enough for my liking. Uh, <laughs> more than they should have. Right. That's my point. Um, so, yeah, like, get it. You look at it and you go, yeah, that's, that's a be like better game than I thought. But that was going to be a good game regardless because UCF is kind of one of those teams and they're probably right at the bottom of that middle group. But if you go into their place and you score 60 points, there's a pretty good chance that they're going to beat you. Yeah, I mean, in, in this league, if you score 60, you're probably losing 10 out of 10 times. Well, I, I here's where I do disagree with that. There are quite a few top 12 defenses in this league. Like, there's going to be some games that are going to look like old school Big East rock fights where two of these top defensive teams yeah. are just beating the hell out of each other for 40 minutes. But for the most part, yes. The offense, the skill in this league is, is such that 60 is going to be a tough out. You better defend your ass off if you hold them to 60 uh, or, or if they hold you to 60. And that ain't easy in this league. No, I'd probably be able to count the times on one hand that a team wins a game by when they score 60. Yeah. Now you'll probably see some games in the lower 60s more so. Like, like, yeah, um, like that one. Yeah, 65 to 60. And the team that had 60 didn't have enough to get it done. But, Dave, what did what? I, what was my fear about Kansas in the preseason? Hunter Dickinson. I'm not, I'm not sure Hunter Dickinson's a winner. <laughs> I think he's a stat compiler. But guess what? They almost lost. They should have lost to TCU. Are you calling Hunter Dickinson Cal Ripken Jr.? I will also say it has been pointed out my Hunter Dickinson take may be flawed because my Hunter Dickinson tape take surrounds the fact that there was a lot of talent on his teams at Michigan and they weren't very good. But it turns out that might be because Juwan Howard's. Yes, I, I pointed that out recently. Yes, I'm, I'm owning up to that. <laughs> owning up to that. But game one in the Big 12. They almost lost to TCU at Fog Allen. Game yeah. three in the Big 12, they lose on the road at UCF. And last I checked, Hunter Dickinson is 
the focal point of that team. So does that does that mean that uh, I'm going to go to the fog and see UC beat Kansas in two weeks? No, it probably means I'm going to go to the fog and see UC get their ass kicked. But uh, I don't because know. I just, most team most teams do when they go there. Right, that's usually what happens. But I'm just saying, man. I just don't. I mean, we're a, we're a TCU win tonight from having three two and zero teams already, and everybody else has at least one loss. Yep. Well, that was what was crazy, Dave. Two games in. <laughs> All of the teams that won on the weekend lost yesterday. No, no, no. No, no, no. All the teams that won on the weekend played all the teams that lost yesterday and today. Ah, okay. <clears throat> so after that one side was all 1-0 and the other side was all 0-1. It's a fun league. It's a fun league. We'll yeah. feel that way in mid-February, but right now, it's a fun league. Yeah, talk to me again if we go through like a five-game losing streak. <laughs> I'll be like, where's Tulsa? We need Tulsa on the schedule. <laughs> Could somebody get us a game in Greenville? Remember the COVID year where they were just scheduling games? Yeah. Are we get a game in Greenville? Can we get Wichita State to come in here? <laughs> that guy that chirped me for the longest time, he hasn't really been around the last couple of years. No, no, they kind of that told me we were on our way down and they were going on their way up with whatever yeah. co- with whatever coach they had at the time that is not l- any longer their coach. Two ships passing in the night. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to talk about? I mean, I would say transfer portal, but we've already been on for an hour and a half, so. We can. I'll get your thought. We haven't gotten your thoughts. We've gotten mine and everybody else's, but uh, I haven't overly gotten your thoughts. Just, just highlights for you. Like, I, I, we think there's potentially one more name uh, that that could be coming. Uh, IHOP style, um, but I think we have a pretty good handle now on what this transfer class looks like. What is your overall and oh, oh let's go ahead and timestamp. I forgot we're we're switching topics. We gotta you do the do the ad reads. Uh here we go. Turtles brewed, zero sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free, bourbon infused sweet tea. They've got a uh, strawberry mint, uh lemonade tea, cherry lime, raspberry peach, orange vanilla. Over 100 locations in Ohio. Visit turtlesbrew.com for more information and locations. And always remember, a portion of the proceeds go to Save the Sea Turtles. All right, Dave. Uh, your 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 take overall on the transfer portal hall. Uh, let's see. Offensively, I think they did a nice job adding speed and some playmaking ability be it the two running backs and the two wide receivers i think you know and we'll see you know there's obviously there's a junior college guy they're interested in there's the 
spring portal, I, I wouldn't surprise me if another if another wide receiver was added down the road. Um, but I think that do you know much about Leland Sneed? I think that's his name. Leland Leland Smith. Smith, yeah, the the JUCO. He's a bit. He's a bigger guy. I mean, I think he's in the same realm as Xavier Henderson. Uh, he's been, you know, junior college stats or who the hell knows, but he was super productive this year. Uh, you know, put up a lot of catches, yards, touchdowns, won a lot of awards on that level. I mean, he just got an offer from Miami, Florida yesterday, the day before. So yeah. still, still being pursued by that uh by high level teams so i think that would still be a, a good ad if they were able to do that uh you know, they, they think, like him i think they want to ov him uh yeah in February, week, like, like right before February, yeah right before the second signing day end of january beginning of february yeah because just i mean we don't think about it as much because 95% of the high school kids sign now in the right. in the early window but you still have the three the three traditional like visit weekends prior to this the February signing day which actually I mean start up again in a couple of weeks um but no I think they added some good potential playmaking and speed offensively that I think they lacked at times last year and then I think defensively, I've, the biggest thing to me was they just threw numbers at safety, and the in the defensive backfield in general, which I thought was important. Like coming into the portal, you had DJ Taylor, uh, Antoine Peak Jr., and Jalen Davis were your safeties on the roster. Yeah. So they had to go find some guys that had snaps under their belts um yeah kai stokes i think is an intriguing talent he obviously hasn't really played but he is a he's a, a highly sought after player and then you get two safeties that have played a lot or we'll just call them defensive backs i mean these guys are going to be looked at in a variety of different places i'm just going off of kind of what they've done in their history um but Makai Miller and um, Logan Wilson have played a lot of snaps, been been productive. Makai Miller's on the bigger side. Um, I thought they needed more size in the defensive backfield as well. I think that was evident last year at times with threats. Um, so I like what they did there. I think they're kind of doing the same philosophy with pass rusher. You kind of have, you don't really have like a standout guy. You're going to throw a bunch of a bunch of guys at the problem and and see if you can get a bunch of guys that can compile five sacks instead of maybe having one that approaches double figures. Which I mean, obviously that would be great. I'm not sure I see that in any of the portal guys that they added. But I certainly think defensively, you know, and it's not for nothing. Like, I think defensively, they raise the floor quite a bit. I think, I think 
there were a lot of defensive issues last year. I think one that was, you know, there were some that were crystal clear. I think one of those was when they had to go to the twos or even the threes at times, the drop-off was immense. So I think I think you raised the fl- the floor quite a bit with this with this group, um, and you know you mentioned it the other night. You know we've I I trust a lot. You know if Lincoln Wiley's interested in you as a quarterback, that that says a lot to me. I mean the guy's coached three Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's unfair to say that like the season depends on the growth and ability of, of Brendan Soresby, but you know, it's, it's not hard to, to see where this team can take some pretty significant strides and, and be bowl eligible. I mean, I think it's the quarterback play yeah, and it's the defensive line and the secondary working more in tandem helping each other out more, provide a little more pressure, helps the DBs be able to cover a touch longer, helps the defensive line. Um, and I think that those, those things are, are I'm not, I mean, you know, I'm not like if this guy can get 15 sacks and this guy can intercept nine passes and this quarterback can throw for right. 3,500 yards and 30 touchdowns, you might be good. Like, I don't think it's, it's, it, it's there. Like the the thing, the bridge is not that far. Uh, they still have to come together, but I think the plan by Zach and those guys was pretty clear and executed. You know, pretty well. I'm sure there's stuff that if we got full disclosure, they would, you know, probably say we really wish we could have got this guy or that guy, and it really would, you know, that. It's silly to grade dudes based on what they've done for other schools before they've done anything for your school because they might be asked to do something totally different. Right. But I mean, if I'm if I'm just looking kind of it as a whole, I'd probably be like a strong B. I think it's it, it, I can't go A because I don't see that like true difference maker. Whether it's yeah. off, offensive or defensive, that I'm just like this dude is going to be a effing problem for whoever we play whether it's there's no way they're gonna block this dude or they ain't got no nobody that we play can cover this guy like i don't see that so i i can't go a yet but i think this hall is significant you know could be significantly better than last year and phil's quite a few of the needs and and really does kind of raise the floor of of the entire roster. I know you mentioned it the other night, you know, the goal in the portal is just, you know, sub out the guys that don't see a spot for them and fill with much better talent. You're not trying to do guys that you do see a spot for. Yeah. (laughs) You're not trying to do one for one swaps. You're right. trying to, as politely as I could say it, you know, take out the bottom of the roster and replace with middle to top roster guys. And your freshmen who are inexperienced are the bottom of the roster because they're inexperienced. Right. You don't have juniors and seniors at the bottom of the roster. 
Right. Those guys are either playing, they're on your two deep, or they're not in your program anymore. Right. Simple as that. Take the guys that aren't. You vetted them. They've been here for two, three, four years, whatever the case may be. If they're not going to see the field, we wish you well in finding somewhere uh, that maybe you have a better chance to play. But it is probably not going to be here. And we're going to go find some guys that we think can. And that is the business of college football because they have made it a business. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all I got. I think so, too. I'm going to see a friend of ours this weekend. Really? Yeah. Who? Dan Simon. Oh, Knoxville. No, Vegas. Oh, Vegas. That's right. Dan, Vegas. Dan Simon doesn't go to Knoxville. Are you <laughs> kidding me? I thought he might be like have his shot on the river there. It's it's January. So <laughs> maybe you don't football. have to get in the water. Maybe for football season. <laughs> well, that that sounds fun. Where are you staying? I'm I'm staying at the Red Rocks Casino. Okay. Off, off, I'm going for work, so I'm not oh. sure. I've never gone for work, so I'm not sure how how much. I'm sure it'll still be a, an enjoyable time, but uh, I'm I'm not uh, going for for leisure per se. <laughs> there will be leisure. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I will place a wager on a athletic competition. I'm sure. Thank you, Queen City Softball. Much appreciated. Be interested to see what the uh, Bearcat Baylor Bears spread is. What do you think? Six and a half? Six and a half, seven and a half, something like that. Maybe more. I don't know if it, I, I don't see it being more. I was kind of surprised that we were four and a half point favorites against Texas. I thought it'd be closer, two and a half. One and I didn't half, think they would. I didn't necessarily think they would be favorite, but I didn't. That seemed like a, 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 a not a big number because it's still like four and a half. But it just it didn't seem. Um, you know how that shit works, though. There, it's oh, the first first conference game. Yeah, UC goes to BYU and yep. wins by eleven. Mm -hmm. Texas falls at home to Texas Tech, like. Vegas is gonna, sure. gonna read off of that specifically, which I don't know that they should because UC playing BYU has nothing to do with UC playing Texas, and Texas playing Texas Tech has nothing to do with UC. So right. Well, you have a delightful time. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh hopefully come back a uh, you know multi multi millionaire. Yeah, and then you can buy the network and I can retire. No, I would just buy the network and have you still do everything that you do. What do I want? I don't want to do all that. Oh, you could you could embezzle money to me. I like the I like the sound of this. Just, you would just work for me then instead of the other <laughs> way around. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that one. I like working for me. <laughs> You'd be making a lot more if you were working. Okay, fine. For me. I'll work for you. That's fine. I'll work for you. That's fine. <laughs> 
I think you'll be an okay boss. I don't, you know. But anyhow, all right. Well, you have a great time. And uh, we will see you back here next week. Dave, I think we could have a guest for next week. All right. We'll be talking, talking some ball. Some big so, and nasty in the trenches type football. Sounds good to me. All right. That'll do it. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brindle. That's the BCJ Podcast. Brought to you by the Holy Grail. Right here on BearcatJournal.com.